Welcome back, everybody, to the Thrivistry Podcast, Mastering the Art of Thriving at Life, where we talk about creating change in our lives and in the world around us. I'm your host, JJ. This is my other host, Gigi. Say hi, Gigi. Hi. And today we're going to talk about programs and as far as picking a good sort of CrossFit program or gym program if you can't do Thrivistry. And, uh, and, and also the myth we want to go over is the constantly varied thing that we see that a lot of CrossFit uh, gyms subscribe to and that workouts and, and movements should be constantly varied and kind of how that applies to even like the more traditional bodybuilding splits or following a more structured program. And what are, what are some of the details you should know when you're trying to pick from those, from those options? So this first thing, this was actually Gigi's idea. I really liked it was um, last podcast. We talked about sort of workout selection. And if you're, if you're going to jump in on a workout, that's maybe not in, in a specific program for you. Um, what are some of the red flags? You know, what are the things you need to look out for? Um, so that you know that you might want, not want to do that workout or modify it heavily um, so that it, it's in line with your goals. And then today, you know, I, I was trying to figure out how to, how to make this less than a four-hour podcast. And that was um, if, you know, and this happens sometimes. I have friends and family who live far away and they're not near a Thrivestry gym. And they're saying, how do, I, how do I pick a gym or a program that, you know, what are the things I need to look, look for? You know, what's, what are the most important things that, that I feel um, is a good program. So for those of you guys who maybe are doing some programming on your own for your own gyms, um, this is going to be some of the some of the big macro view ideas of what you should be thinking about when you're when you're uh, thinking about programming. So Gigi, why did you decide to make this a topic? Oh, um, well, first, I just want to say, uh, when you said that it was my idea, and you liked it, it's because all of my ideas are good ideas. So just <laughs> you know, for clarity, um, and then, and the reason is because in, when you work in the fitness industry, you do get a little bit sheltered because you know, you know where to go, you know, who has the best programming and, and all of your friends are kind of in this circle of like high quality stuff. But once in a while you're faced with like, okay, the real world. Right. And, and so what happened is a friend of mine left the current gym that he was at and went to go to one closer to his house. And, and basically what happened is he was like, telling me about his workout. And I was like, well, that's a lot of body weight stuff you've been doing the last couple of days. You better check to make sure that they're doing Olympic lifting. And he was like, oh my God, what if they don't do Olympic lifting? I'm like, dude, you better check because it's really common um, that a lot of gyms that don't have a good intake program, their clients are not skilled enough to do Olympic lifting in a mass setting, right? Like in a group, group X kind of program. And then the second thing that I noticed about the programming in their gym is that there is no underlying skill or strength cycle at all. So when they go in, they do a warm up and they go right into the workouts. And the workouts are long. They're like 20 to 40 minute high volume, basically just exhausted all the time, but but now it's been a couple of weeks that I've been watching this programming and there seems to be no rhyme or reason or no underlying design for this programming and and it just got me to realize that you know like I said like we are really sheltered working in the industry because there's certain standards that we kind of accept we take for granted um, but the reality is that most gyms are not doing things like an underlying strength cycle or skill progressions or putting really any thought into having a plan yeah having a plan <laughs> right yeah like no plan whatsoever so I thought I would ask the master of programming himself <laughs> Well, one thing I, the first thing I'd like to point out is that, uh, you know, you can't evaluate a program on one day, on one workout, right? So, 
you know, if you, if you like are traveling and you're looking at gyms to visit and you see some crazy workout, that doesn't mean that gym has bad programming. In fact, it's really hard to even judge a program by one week, you know, um, uh, because it depends on what they're focusing on and if, what their plan is. Now, if you start looking at multiple weeks in a row, you have to say, okay, do I see a theme here? Is there a plan? Are they talking about what's going on? What's the, what's, what the plan is for the, you know, for the next few weeks or the next, the next um, month or so. And, and, uh, and then you can start to see those, those sort of red flags. And so if you're going to evaluate a program or you're talking to somebody at that gym, um, you can ask, okay, so what is, how do you, how do you guys program and you know, what sort of plans do you follow? Um, and if they'd say, well, we just, you know, we, we, we do constantly varied. We do constantly varied. And it's like, what you're saying is, is you make it up as you go, right? Yeah. <laughs> that is not what they mean by constantly varied, right? CrossFit is not random. Um, tr truly random means you could do three, five Ks in a row. That would be truly random. <laughs> so it's not, <laughs> <laughs> you know, you're not throwing darts at a dartboard to make up workouts or select workouts. Um, but there needs to be an overall plan and it needs to change throughout the year. And so, you know, with Thrive Street, we have three seasons. We have sort of an open prep season and we have sort of a running season and a weightlifting season. It actually goes open, weightlifting, running, and it kind of rotates throughout, throughout the year so that there's a little bit of variance. Now, for the most part, it's still a GPP program. So we're only changing a small percent, but it does kind of help kind of give people some a little bit more variety than just like the same program all year round. Um, I will say, I want to just give an example before you move on that I, I used to be one of those gym owners and this is going back now seven years when we first opened the gym and we knew, you know, we had done our level one and I have a biology degree and had done some personal training. But aside from that, there wasn't a lot of research or thought put towards the strength of the programming, right? Because there was, there was, you know, seven years ago, all I knew was either CrossFit's constantly varied hopper method, right? And then the other side of the equation, which is like the, the bodybuilding, you know, <laughs> the, the cyclical kind of stuff where you're adding weights and increasing all that kind of stuff. And you're on the same method for six to eight weeks or whatever, right? And so what we used to do, just, just to put it into perspective for people who don't know from the perspective of a coach or a gym owner, was literally like the night before or the morning of, look at what you've done for the last couple of days. Think about what you like to do. Throw together a rep scheme you haven't seen yet that week and throw in some movements that you haven't yet done. And that that's literally as far as the thought went because that's constantly varied. And the like the problems with that is that there's so many personal biases. There's so many, like I would never program wall balls because they fucking suck. <laughs> and, and I just don't think about them, right? But then, so you have... People are creatures of habit. So if it's the same person who's just randomly throwing things together, it's like you said, it's not random. It's random for them, for that person, for what they like to do, what, you know, challenges them, what they enjoy to do. Well, it's random. And, it's random compared to a, a program where you do the same, same movements on the same days each week. Right. 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 <laughs> exactly. But there's no, the point is that there's little to no thought put into it at all. And this is maybe spending a total of call it half an hour every week on programming, which is not really what you should look for in a gym. Like if you're going to attribute your physical fitness to something, it's got to be a little bit more, more than that. Right. That yeah. I mean, and this, this does speak to the power of sort of the CrossFit Metcon methodology is that it works really well, even if you're not doing a good job programming, or for those of you who are just making, you know, pick, picking workouts on your, on your own and doing randomly, you know, seemingly randomly, just 
you know, you find a workout online and do it or whatever, um, then it still actually will get you pretty good results. In fact, better results than a lot of other programs in a shorter amount of time. Um, I won't say it's better results than a more traditional program if followed strictly, but most of those programs, in order to get the result, the, the same or better results, it requires a lot more time invested and a lot more boredom because you're doing the same, you know, sets and reps and and everything. So, so, so CrossFit programming works really well, and that's that's kind of what muddies the water when it comes to the, when we're talking about programming because again, even like not good programming still gets pretty good results, but when it comes to like a gym where this is, you know, the job, this is the job, they should be trying to get as good of the programming as possible because that's what you're paying for. You're paying for good coaching, good programming and a good environment. Um, if you, if you just wanted to get, you know, uh, uh, okay results using the style, then you could just do open gym or you could just, you know, train at home, you know? So, so one of the reasons you're investing in a gym membership at a good gym is because they're supposed to be putting effort and attention into the programming. And we got to remember too that even if you know the programming's okay, if you can get another program that gets that's five percent better, five percent better every workout and five percent better every week starts to compound, right? So we start to see compound uh, returns on that investment versus you know like well you know programming's you know it's not it's it, you know it's not that important you know and it's like whoa 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 hold on a minute it it is because you know it, it one of the analogies I always use is food and it's like your programming is your menu, right? And if, if, if you don't have good food on the menu, um, it doesn't matter how good your service is in delivering the food. If all you're delivering is grilled cheese sandwiches, grilled cheese sandwiches are great. Not every day, you know? And so, so the idea is, is, that, is that you need to have these, that you, you want to you have your gym invest the time or the money or whatever into a good program. So, uh, for individuals doing programming, you know, following a gym's program, you know, and, and sticking with it is important or finding a program you can do on your own is important. Um, but the, uh, like I said, the main thing is, is that they have a plan. That's, that's the biggest thing about following any program is it's not just, you know, workouts thrown, thrown together and you, and you can sort of see that there's a theme or whatever, you know, some, some gyms will do like a month, this month's theme is this, that's, that's a, that's one way to do it. That's pretty good. Um, but one of the biggest ones, and this is, this is a, a, a big proponent or a big component of Thrivestry is the strength focus. And, and it's funny because a lot of more traditional CrossFit gyms sort of balk at this or, or, uh, CrossFitters who are really into CrossFit. They're like, Oh, we do too much. It's too much repetition. We do too much of the same lift. And, and one thing I want to point out is that yes, we focus on a lift for six weeks, but we do that lift, uh, one to two times a week. So on average, about twice a week. Usually it's 11 or 12 sessions spread out over six weeks and it's designed so that most people are only going to do that lift once or twice a week. They're not going to come seven days a week. And so it's like, okay, we have people who are doing, oh, you're doing the same lift once a week, six weeks in a row. Oh my gosh, there's no constantly varied. And there's, <laughs> we, oh, I'm so tired of doing the same lift over and over again. It's like, come on people. Like if you want to get better at this, at these movements, you have to put in some repetition. So there's always this balance of sort of seemingly random, constantly varied, and there's routine, and the routine is what drives adaptation, right? So having some structure to that, what we've seen is, is that it allows people to, that are beginners to learn the movements, right? So if you're a beginner, you know, trying to learn the hang clean or trying to learn, uh, even just learning like a good front squat can be hard if you haven't done it for a month or two, you know, and, and really spent the time working that, that movement, but seeing it every week, and it, it makes it, it makes it easier to learn. You get huge gains. 
And then it makes it easier to coach because now you don't have to repeat yourself and reteach the movement. And your advanced people are bored and rolling their eyes because they're learning how to front squat again because you have to teach the class because you have some people that are still learning it, even though they've been there six months. Then you have, um, but then the advanced people having the, having the, the regular, the problem that we've seen is, and this is, this is the big argument against, um, you know, lifting once, once or twice a week and more random lifts is everybody plateaus after two to three years. There's, there's nobody who's been following that program, uh, you know, really well and has everything dialed in. They're going to, their lifts and everything and, and their Metcons will start to plateau after two, three, maybe four years. So a lot of gyms uh, that are newer or, or coaches that are newer will say, oh yeah, everybody's making gains. Everyone's making gains. You're like, that doesn't work forever. Right. And so, yeah. I, I, and I will say like when, I'm going to interrupt you. No, this is, I know that this is so dense for you and you just love this so much. So I'm just going to like, go ahead and interrupt you once in a while. So <laughs> um, there's, there's two kinds of uh, things as you were talking. The first thing was that the, is it like true CrossFit? I don't know. That depends how you identify with CrossFit, but it, but it kind of comes down to like, is your goal to do CrossFit or is your goal to get in the best shape of your life? Right. Because like pure, if you're going to say like a purist, constantly varied thing will not get you in the best shape of your life. And it comes down to what you're saying, because eventually you will plateau. And I guarantee all those people that make it to the games, every single one of them has a strict strength cycle that they follow. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. Of course they do. Right. Like that goes without saying. So, but having said that three, four years, two, three, four years to plateau is still degrees of magnitude better than any other fitness regime, which normally you plateau at like a yoga or a boot camp or Pilates or anything else after three months. So it's, it's great, but it's still not good enough. And when we're, when, you know, people like us from within the industry are talking about it, other people might be saying, Oh, like three, four years to plateau. Like that's pretty good. But it's like, is it because our job is to make you fit for the rest of your life not to make you fit for three, four years. It is to challenge you constantly, always be improving your fitness forever, which is why we're so passionate about always improving it and how do we make it better? Yeah, and that's, that's, that's a really good point, you know, and, and, and uh, you, there's, this, there's this thought like, oh, well, it gets people, it'll get them fitter faster than the, 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 the routine, the strength focus. And I'm, I have to stop and say, no, it won't because beginners will progress faster on these movements. And, you know, when it comes to something like, I, like push-ups, you know, someone who can't do a push-up on their toes, that's a strength issue. Doing more, doing a workout with 150 modified push-ups, you know, on a box or on their knees is not going to get them any closer to doing a push-up on their toes, but doing some, some you know, uh, some strength work on the rings or doing, you know, bench pressing and doing other strength movements where we're doing smaller sets and we're trying to work for that that's going to get them their push-up faster and that's going to allow them to do the metcons better and so you you get this 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 effect where they where they affect each other and so most people can't you know they can do a metcon you know modified or whatever and yeah they're going to get hot and sweaty and they're going to get that 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 uh, that benefit but again when we start applying the strength principles to that and that adaptation they're going to be safer in those metcons they're going to be less likely to get tweaks or injuries and they're going to be able to progress faster now, for the advanced people, this is what I was going to finish on, was, again, that plateau issue, you know, what happens is everybody starts to hit these certain, these certain numbers. I know one of the ones, for example, you'll see is that 
most men in a, in a CrossFit, a more traditional CrossFit style program will plateau their deadlifts right around 405, you know, maybe a little bit under, maybe a little bit more depending on their size and their background. But the, the, the deadlifting, you know, once or twice a month and doing deadlifts and Metcons is, it means they're only going to hit that. They're going to start to plateau at that. And that's pretty good. But again, if we want to continue to progress and get stronger at the deadlift so that other movements are easier and everything else is, is better, we need to spend a few weeks like we are, we are right now in, in Thrive Street. We're going to spend six weeks doing de deadlifts and the beginners are going to learn all the good components. Now the advanced people have enough routine to where they can actually eke out another PR, right? So they're going to get better after six weeks because there's enough routine there. So, you, so it works for both ends. It works for the beginners. It works from the advanced people. It's easier on the coaches. And so um, now people, like some members might complain about that, but you need to tell them, explain to them why that we're only doing 11 sessions of this over six weeks. So that means you might do it anywhere from, you know, six to maybe 11 times. And, and it's the whole idea is that you're going to get a lot better at this lift at the end. You know, now we do other lifts on top of that too. So we're not just doing just, just that lift. We're going to mix in. If we're in a deadlift cycle, we're still going to squat every week. And then that's going to be more a more traditional where we rotate through the different different lifts so that we don't lose ground on all those other ones. And beginners will still make progress on those. Advanced people are kind of doing a little bit more of a holding pattern on those other lifts, but we're not losing ground. I make sure with all my spreadsheets so I don't have any biases that, that we still get all the lifts into the proper ratios. Um, so I, will, I have to say, I have to add something here because we're, we're taking it for granted that people listening care about getting better. And I just want to point out that the reason that it's so important to constantly be challenging your fitness and giving yourself new stimulus and putting yourself in stressful positions is because that in, when we're talking about physiologically fitness, there is no maintenance. So like you said, like maintenance does not exist in the human body. It, it exists in a dynamic equilibrium where it's constantly reacting to the world around it. And you said, you know, most men will max out at 405. There might be men who say, well, I'm okay with that. But the reality is, is that you'll hit 405 for like a few years. And if you're not introducing new stimulus and constantly challenging yourself, you will degrade because your body is not being challenged anymore to push past that. So number one, it's, it's going to adapt to the stimulus and you'll actually not be able to get any stronger at all. And then what happens is that over time, your body get, it gets weaker as we age, period. And that's not something that anybody can avoid. So if you're not challenging your body to improve, you are degrading. There is no maintenance in the physiological world, period. It's just not how our bodies work. So the importance of constantly striving to be better is so that you can always be better because otherwise you will move in the opposite direction, period. And there's nothing that you can do about that. That's just how we're wired. Yeah, exactly. So, so, um, now, so, so point number two, point number one is they have a plan. Point number two is there's some sort of structure, whether it's, you know, there is, they're following a progression with lifting or they're moving towards some, some, you know, gymnastics or body weight goal, um, skill, skill type stuff. Um, those are the, those are kind of the two big ones. Now with Thrive Industry, we do have an alternate program that comes with the main program where I take out the, the, uh, the strength focuses. So it's a little bit less lifting and a little bit more emphasis, a little, there's no emphasis on a focus. And that with, with the um, intent that some gyms will rotate into that. Now, usually what that means is I'm going to take a week of programming and I'm going to change a couple of the days, but it's the same movements and it's, you know, maybe a little bit longer workout or a different lift. If it's a deadlift, it might be a clean, 
you know, or something like that. But, but, uh, but the idea is that we're still following the same program so that people can rotate on and off and it's still the same, you know, they're still in the same program, right? They're not, it's not too, a totally random program and there's a big, you know, shift. Um, but again, vast majority of my clients, people doing programming don't, don't rotate to that very often. It's really just more of, we just want to change things up a little bit. So, so there, like I said, and, and they know that it's not going to be as effective as doing strength focus, but it's, it's, it's sort of that, um, conscious decision to, to take a break, um, because they just want to make it more interesting or more fun or whatever. Um, I don't think that there's anything more fun than PR day to be personally honest, but <laughs> that's, that's what, I, that's what I feel like too, you know? Um, uh, and, and so in, especially like after you've been doing this for years and years and years, those become so they're, they're so precious. <laughs> yeah. I, like two and a half pounds increase on my deadlift. Like, yeah. Wow. Yeah. And, and, uh, and that's why there is a retention issue past that two to three year mark as people start to get frustrated because they're not plateauing. Um, the other thing is, is that you want to make sure that people, that they're actually repeating workouts. And I think that there's a lot of people, a lot of programs where, again, they may have a plan, but they're not, they're not keeping track of workouts they've already created. So they just make up workouts. They need a workout that's 20 minutes long and it needs to have these movements and they just create like a quick little workout. And the problem with that is, is then why would, why would anybody want, want to log that workout if they know the chances of it showing up again are pretty much nil. If you're never repeating workouts, there's no point in logging. Um, and so, uh, and so why, why is it important to log them? Well, logging is, is what shows you how far you've come, right? So people got very confused with the whole recording measurable and repeatable that we talk about in CrossFit. And they thought it had something to do with competing with other people, seeing how you show up on the leaderboard. And it's actually, that's actually demotivating because other people are moving targets. Sometimes they're having a good day and you're having an off day and they beat you and then you get all mad or frustrated or accuse them of cheating. <laughs> and and <the> <laughs> <laughs> this is what happens. This is the real world. <laughs> um, and, and uh, you know, research has shown that seeing how far you've come is far more motivating than seeing how you compare to somebody else or how far you have to go to reach your goals. And so logging, especially early on, right? When most people are beginners, they don't want to log because they're like, oh, I'm doing so badly. I don't want to write, write this down. You're like, no, it's not for anybody else to see. It's not how you compare to other people. It's so that we can see in, in a month or six months how far you've come, you know? And so repeating workouts, I think, is also really important. And not just the benchmarks, right? There's really... There's some, some gyms that'll, you know, oh, do, just program that the only one workouts that repeat are the benchmarks. And, and again, the problem with that is, is, you know, if you do, if you are doing, you know, Helen, for example, and you're doing it every three months, and now you've done it four times in a year, it's like, it, you, you get sick of it. And then you don't PR as much because you're going to, you're going to get to the, the limits of your, where you're at physically. And so, um, unless you specialize in like those movements just to, just to PR Helen, it's like, so wait, you're specializing just for what, just so you can get a PR in that, you know, is your overall fitness getting better or are you just getting better at Helen? You know, it's kind of like the statement you said, <laughs> are you trying to get better at CrossFit? Or are you trying to actually be a, be fitter and a better human? Um, so that's another, that, that's the third thing I like to see in programs is that there is enough repetition. Now, you know, there should be like in Thrivestry, we have usually um, uh, um, one to three. So an average of about two new, new workouts per week. I still like to make new workouts. Um, and then, and then I'll, I'll program, um, one to two workouts that, that are now I use beyond the whiteboard the most. That's my favorite logging software because of all the data and the backend stuff they have. Um, and they have, um, about four or 500, um, benchmark things that they use to adjust your fitness rating. So you have the score that you get that kind of ranks you. 
And what's great about that is, is I program one to two of those a week so that if you come in on those days, usually about once a week, it's going to update those, those different um, metrics and then update your score. So, so there are, but they're not like, they're not just the Helen and then this and then that, you know, there are a lot of workouts from old school CrossFit. They just have a lot of data on, you know, they have 10,000 logs of, of that workout and it doesn't even have a name. So I'll name it and then I'll put it in the programming if I like it. And, and uh, then it'll update that, that rating, you know? Um, so the so those, those I have a question. I have a question. Question. When you are repeating workouts, we're talking about context coaching now, right? Which I'm sure is going to be another one of your points here for great programming. But I, I when you're repeating workouts, is it always a test day or is it to kind of check like if you're not going super hard, how are you gonna do on this workout again? If just your your general everyday show up, you might be you might be feeling it, you might not be feeling it. You know, maybe you ate breakfast, maybe you didn't eat breakfast, whatever. Like, is that, is it more to just kind of check how you're like a check-in as opposed to a test or is it always testing when you're repeating? Yeah. And that's, that, that's a really important point is, is again, if you're recording the, the, you need to record your average output, right? So then it's a data point and it's not a comparison when you're always trying to compare on the leaderboard and beat whoever's in the class or, you know, you know, scored a certain place that day then every day you're going to push yourself really, really hard. And you can't do that every single day. And it also skews the results, right? And, and if you're always pushing yourself super hard, then eventually you'll break down and then you'll have bad scores, but you'll also hurt yourself. And, and uh, instead of saying like, I'm, I'm showing up, I'm going to perform at, at the practice context, which we'll talk about in a second, and, and say, you know, this is, it's just a measurement of where I'm at today. You know, I guess, I guess one way to think about it would be like driving, you know, you know that like, if you want to drive really hard and really fast, you can get from your house to where you need to, to the specific place, you know, your kids practice, for example, in seven minutes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Seven minutes. I can do it if I have to, but normally you're like, you don't want to do that every single day. Cause you're going to get a ticket, <laughs> you know, or get an accident, right? These are bad. This is bad outcome. So you purposely leave 15 minutes. Um, to make sure that if, you know, there's, there's traffic or you get stuck at all the lights, like you're still not going to show up super late. And so, so what you're saying is that I shouldn't be like, oh no, it's only seven minutes because I've made it in seven minutes once. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. That is not a good strategy. You shouldn't try to go every single place <clears throat> at top speed. Now <clears throat> that also gives you that flexibility to where, you know, if something does come up, then you can accelerate when you need to. But if you start tracking everything in your life, like where you have to drive, in the shortest possible potential time, then you're going to be late all the time and, and, or, and, or get a ticket and, or, uh, get an accident. And the same thing goes with your fitness. Like you should have a, you know, your set pace where you're, you're challenging yourself. You're still going hard. These workouts are going to be hard, even when you're not pushing yourself super hard and you're still going to get the results and the benefit of that. And then occasionally, usually about once or twice a week, if you're feeling good, you will, you will go harder and, and push yourself. And that's when we have the context. So that's, this is, this is a uh, number Wait, four? <laughs> um, so so is number four, right? I, yes. Yeah, I think I think this is this will be number four, which is context. And the gym should have a practice mentality as the default. So that what that means is that is I prefer to have three contexts, and I learned this from Kenny Kane out in uh, um, uh, Santa Monica School of Mastery or the CrossFit LA, one of the original gyms. They um, practice context, uh, competition context, text, and mental toughness. And there's a specific ratio, but just know that about 
about six out of every 10 workouts is a practice context. So far the, by far the majority, about three out of 10 is going to be a competition context and one out of 10 is going to be mental toughness. And uh, instead of going into all those details, um, just understand that, you know, this really resonated with me coming from the martial arts in that from day one, you knew that when you were physically punching and kicking each other, like you can't go hard, you have to go slow and you have to, even when you were sparring, you know, it was, you know, free, you know, free sparring, you never went a hundred percent because it was, you were guaranteed both of you were going to end up getting hurt, you know? And like the old Chinese saying is uh, when two tigers fight, one is killed and the other is mortally wounded. Right. And, <laughs> and it's, it's, it's when you go into the gym every day, and you go in like you're battling for your life, you're going to get hurt. It's, there's, it's not if or maybe, it's you are going to get injured. And uh, either in the workout or, or you're going to be sore the next day and tweaks, you'll notice it the day after. Um, or just the frequency, the, that beat down every single time you come in is going to wear you down eventually until something breaks. And, and so having a more practiced mindset around the training. So we're going to practice skills and we're going to we're going to work on technique. And then in the workouts, we're not let making, you know, you might start with good form, but then it's like, well, just keep going. Yeah. You know, keep going one more round and everything turns to shit. And, and then again, that's when people get hurt and you're not getting any, any phys real physical benefit. There's no, there's no, you're not burning more fat or building more muscle by, by going that hard. Right. So slowing down, you know, if you're, if you're, form is looking bad and maybe you don't even know what that is because you're newer, the coach stops you and says, okay, can you do it like this? Show me, show me it this way. And you can't, they may say, okay, we'll do this version instead, or let's drop the weight or whatever, you know, or, or only do seven reps instead of 10 this, this last round so that we don't, we, so we don't go into that red zone and you're still, you're still exhausted. You're still getting a good workout and all the benefits that come with doing those Metcons, but you're just not risking injury. And so that's the practice sort of context that should be the default but you also want to have the other ones that keep it interesting. Yeah, I think it also has to come down with, you know, what we talked about in the last podcast, which was what's the physiological response that you're trying to achieve with a specific workout, right? And if you look within like, okay, the practice context, what is it that you're trying to practice? Is it just a hinge that you're trying to practice, which is like any, any movement where you're opening and closing your hips, right? Like, like a duck. <laughs> you know, one of those water ducks. That's what I always think of. Okay. Um, so if that's all that you're trying to achieve, there are a lot of different ways to achieve that specific thing, right? So you can go sometimes when, I mean, at least when I used to coach, it was like, we would scale things. It wouldn't even look like the original workout at all. But when you compared physiologically, the response that you would get from what we scaled it to, to what the program, like the RX was, totally the same. And it, and all it depends is where you exist on that scale so that you need to, how much stimulus you need to give yourself so that you can get that response. And, and I know like when we switched to Thrive Street programming, having the parameters of um, mental toughness, competition or practice was huge for our members because they knew if it's competition, we're not going to scale it that much because the goal is that you do fucking like, you know, maybe you'll get your first muscle up ever by doing this. And, and, but the goal is not to get a, a 15 minute AMRAP done to get that physiological response. The goal is to get your first muscle up because that's what the, you know, the competition is right now, whatever. Right. So, or, or really yeah, helps. you know, I'm not a big fan of the term RX anymore, but, but uh, um, it's not, I don't think it's terrible to use it, but 
you know, when you're recording a benchmark um, and it has pull-ups in it, maybe you can only do one or two pull-ups at a time. You know, you do the, on a competition day, we'd say, okay, you know what? Do the first round or two with just doing one or two pull-ups at a time and just get it done, you know, and see how close you are to doing the whole workout that way. And then afterward, so you don't hurt your shoulders or shred your hands or get frustrated, then go to your, you know, go to a, another progression step down so you can keep the intensity up and keep moving and stay safe. Um, yeah. that would be a competition context instead of doing that every single day. Um, and, yeah. and, uh, yeah, so, so having, having guidance on, okay, cause we can't go hard every single day. Like, like I said, you will get hurt. So having that practice and it's, and it's a global gym thing. Like your whole gym needs to have this sort of mentality where, where if someone is kind of going crazy, like the whole gym looks at them funny, you know, like, like, Whoa, bro, <laughs> like what's going on today? Like, you know, like you're just going it's crazy. <laughs> Yeah, like, and you know, when it becomes part of your culture, you have less injuries. You have people getting moving so much better, and and it, there's no ego around, you know, dropping down. You may have a really advanced person who who scales down a movement because they're like, yeah, I just get sloppy with this movement. You know, my shoulder hurts the next day. You know, I'm just going to do this today because because I know this is what's best for me. You know, and that's yeah. that's like the the practice context. You know. Uh, um, now, if you, if you, if some gyms though, I will say kind of take this to a, to an extreme and every day is a practice day. And the problem with every day is a practice day. People will get bored and frustrated because they do need that challenge and they do, you know, the, the competition days sort of spice things up a little bit more and, and make it more interesting. Like I said, there's nothing better than PR day. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, and, and what, what is a PR? It is telling you how far you've come from where you were before. That's why PRs feel so good. You know, um, it might, it might feel good to beat someone in class that normally beats you. Um, but if you try to rely on that, like I said, it's, it, that's, that's the past of a lot of frustration and, and everything. And it's really hard. In fact, most of the top competitors I know are really good at staying in their lane, right? Literally, if there's a lane, they don't even look at what the other people are doing, right? They're doing the workout. They're following <laughs> the plan and they do exactly like an what they're supposed lane. to do. Yeah, not and, just and, like I'm really good at clean, so I'm gonna stick with cleans. You mean like the physical lane that they're working? <laughs> yeah, I mean, but but at the same time, they're not like on Instagram worrying about what everybody else is doing in their training and what PRs they're setting. They're trying to they're they have a plan to do the, be the best that they can be. You know, um, you know, John Wooden talks about this. You know, like you can only be your best. You can't be better than your best, right? And and so you need to just focus on yourself. And that also has the benefit too, where, um, and I've seen this a lot where people who are really competitive and they're always trying to beat everybody else. Once they get to that place in their, in their sort of local environment where they're beating everybody, they don't necessarily push themselves to work on their weaknesses or do the things they need to do to be the best that they could be because they're the best in the gym. So they don't care about being better, you know? And, and so, um, it's, it's a negative in that regard as well. But, uh, so, okay. oh, go ahead. I was going to say, I'm starting to, I feel like there's like a bunch of layers here that are starting to emerge when it comes to like good programming. So you want to have strength cycles and skill cycles, and you want to be mixing up the workouts so that you're still doing all of the movements and you want to have competition days and practice days. So would that mean like when we're talking about like PR day, right? So there's a lot of different ways that you can have a competition day, right? You could do, you could compete on like a benchmark workout or you could compete on bench press. 
benches. <laughs> or you, you know, like you could be PRing on, on any one of your lifts, or you could be competing on any one of the workouts, right? Like there's a lot of different ways and neither one of those will burn out your clients. If you, right. Do you see what I'm saying? So like there's the potential for a lot of different ways to test and to yeah, have and it doesn't, and, and remember that competition doesn't necessarily mean you're competing with other people in the gym that day, right? It, it could be like yeah, you're competing you're with your old score. score. Yeah, yeah. You're comp- and usually, usually when I do a workout that is what I consider sort of a benchmark, um, it means that I'm, we're seeing it, you know, uh, at least once or twice a year, sometimes a little bit more frequently. I usually don't post workouts repeats um, any less than 12 weeks apart. Um, but so maybe it's been three months and, and, um, and, and that's also a, a, when it is a competition context, that's also when I tell people they, they need to be sure to log. So even if they're not a really good logger, um, of, they need to log that workout because that one will show up again. Um, and, and it will be a competition context and we do want to compare like to like. Um, we used to even do when we were running Thrive Street in the gym or when I owned a gym because we only, we did Thrive Street right up until we closed. We didn't leave, but <laughs> for, to clarify, never um, <laughs> we used to even, if people didn't attend on a competition day, we would have them do the competition, um, the PR or the workout, whatever it was the next day or the day after, or basically whenever the next time they came in, because that was the more important thing was making sure that they were improving and they could skip out on like, you know, the generic, let's swap in like a deadlift or a squat or whatever. But if we're working on the push press cycle, you got to finish the push press cycle with a test because we need to make sure that was our check at the gym for our coaching to basically make sure that you were improving. Right. And when it comes to using like a hybrid membership, for example, you need to know what your client's goals are and how you're going to get them there. And the only way to test that is to test because otherwise you don't know if your coaching is actually working or not. Right. Yeah. And I, and I do think they're, they're, you know, it's more of a subconscious thing, but a lot of programmers will make up new workouts all the time because they, they don't want the data to show that they're not creating the results that they should be. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and, and uh, yeah, I mean, that's a great way to do it. I mean, I, I program um, sort of a kind of an open gym day, which is called yeah, um, year end goals and max effort testing. And it's really, a, I have a list of, you know, 20 or 30 things just as ideas that people can pick and choose. And I try to, it's not every six weeks, but maybe 12 weeks or 18 weeks where I'll put plug in one of these days and I'll put in there if you missed, cause it's usually right around when we tested the last strength focus. If you missed the, you know, testing the deadlift last week, go ahead and test it today, you know, and, and uh, you know, so we can see the results and now you can, you know, you can reset your bar to the new, to the new, uh, uh, the new numbers. Um, and yeah, I mean, it, a lot of this stuff goes into the psychology and I think that's probably the biggest thing that, that uh, differentiates Thrivestry from a lot of the other programs is there's a lot more of the psychology of, of getting people to come, keeping them a long time and, and getting them really fit for, for the longest period of time. Because ultimately, there's, there are great programs. Thrivestry is not the only program. Um, there's some not great programs, but there's a lot of great programs. And, and, uh, but ultimately it doesn't matter how good the program is if people don't stick with it and, and don't get results for the long term. And a lot of that comes down to the psychology and, you know, the class experience and, you know, and getting people to create change in their own lives. And, and, uh, and that's why, you know, I talk about this so much, this stuff so much in the podcast, um, because 
you know, five or 10 years ago, I started to realize, you know, the programming and is I can, I can, I continue to improve the programming, which is great, but those are such small incremental gains over what I was doing five or 10 years ago. But where the real benefit is, is the psychology, right? And when we, when we start to get, you know, the, all those pieces dialed in, that's when, when people stick with it for 10 years or more. And that's what we want. Would that be like the last point, number five? <laughs> well, I think if you're a regular person looking for a program or you're doing your own programming, I think the last point is there needs to be skill, skill practice. And uh, there's a reason why um, uh, I call the Thrive Stream main program the mastery program versus um, the other one's called, there's Propel and other names. You know, the, uh, I think that the probably the best thing about the Metcon format, the CrossFit sort of Metcon format, is that you can get a great workout in in 15, 20, 25 minutes, and then you have the rest of an hour to work on other things. So, so you know, d spending 40 minutes is not gonna give you, you know, uh, twice as much benefit as a 20 minute Metcon, right? In fact, it actually starts, you start to get, you start to get negatives when you start doing those frequently. And, but, but you also lose the ability to work on some strength, which I consider skill, by the way. Um, you know, when I say skill work, it means we're going to spend some time practicing squats, you know, and so strength is really more of a skill than it is, than it is. Um, we are getting physiological benefits to it too, but I consider it kind of more on the skill side than the physiological side from a benefit standpoint. And then also spending, you know, five to 10 minutes each class practicing a movement, um, whether that's learning how to do the kip or just practicing a, a, an Olympic lift or practicing, you know, ring dip progressions, those things, those things are so beneficial because people will not do that movement if it's showing up in the Metcon. They will always sandbag. If you have, if you have a workout with ring dips in it and you put ring dips, we're, okay guys, we're gonna practice ring dips for 10 minutes. People will do as little, as soon as you turn around, they're stopping because they don't want, because <laughs> they know it's gonna negatively affect their workout. And, and, uh, um, and so they will sandbag it. And so then they don't get the practice that they need. People also won't experiment with other variations, you know, other progressions and other things that help them get that because, because they also don't want to be embarrassed. So if, if, if you show them a new progression or a new version that you want them to use in the Metcon, they're not likely to use it because they know it's going to affect their score and they're going to look foolish. But if you have time set aside for skill work, which is just sort of play, there's no time, there's no clock, we're not recording numbers, there's no, you know, we're not, we're not, you know, so you're not trying to hit this specific number on your lift or whatever. Then you'll do, you'll play around with these other variations and progressions and, and you'll learn. And, and uh, this is one of the reasons why I can still program with, with confidence, you know, handstand push-ups every once in a while in, in, a, in a Metcon. Now in a regular gym, especially kipping handstand push-ups are not for regular folks. That's considered a performance, that's an advanced thing, but, but they can be done safely and effectively when we've spent, you know, when that person has done, you know, six or seven skill sessions over a period of the last few months of handstand progressions. And they've demonstrated that they've learned how to do a strict handstand pushup down to one or two ab mats and they can rep those out. Okay, now let's start practicing maybe the kipping technique. You know, when you can do can a strict- Can I ask you something? I gotta ask you something. How long have you been in the CrossFit world? 15 years? Since Is that right? 2004. Yeah, 15 years. 15 years. So I just wanted to draw attention to that because some of the things that you're saying is stuff that I would have never seen. You know, and we and I had my gym for six years, and I never saw people like avoiding a practice because it was going to be 
in the Metcon, but, and I, and I'm thinking that there's probably people that are listening to this that are like, oh, that never happens at my gym. Well, I've never seen that happen. Like this guy's full of shit. The reality is, is that over time you will see everything. <laughs> and here you are 15 years in, right? 15 years of programming seven days a week, which is however many thousands of programs, tens of thousands, I guess. Um, and this stuff is what happens, right? And, and, you know, the longer you stay in the game, the longer, if you want to do this for the rest of your life, this is the stuff you need to be considering, right? These are the lessons to learn. Thank you, Gigi. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, and, 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 and again, the, um, the skill work is really like one of the most beneficial things you can do is you give people an opportunity to practice and learn and because they're not learning in a Metcon, they are getting some repetitions in. And in the first few rounds of the first few minutes, they're, they're, they may, their body's going to learn that movement. But after a while, the technique starts to go and, and they're not gonna, they're, your body isn't adapting and building the myelin that it needs to, to, to learn the movement for efficient movement. Um, now it's, it's, it's just trying to get the work done and stay alive, you know? And so having the skill work is so important because then, as I was mentioning with the handstand push-ups, you can then include the more advanced movements in the Metcons occasionally because that person has spent time practicing. And like what we do with Thrivestry is, is uh, I'll, I'll do a lot of times the skill will be something that's showing up a few days later. So, you know, we, you know, we might be doing squats on a Monday and, and uh, the skill practice warm up, we might do some pistol progressions just to practice. We're going to warm up the legs, warm up the squat pattern. And then on Wednesday, there's a Metcon with pistols. Well, guess what? Everybody who came on Monday just got practice, just practice their pistols. You as a coach know what progressions the people should use. So you're still going to warm it up and practice it a little bit before the Metcon, but you've already got an idea. They have an idea of where they're at. So they're not thinking, I don't even know which progression I should use for this Metcon. And everybody's asking ask the coach a million questions, you know, so it, it's like, oh, wow. It's like, we planned that, you know, <laughs> another, <laughs> another one, layer. <laughs> yeah, another one would be like the week before, you know, so like we might do a rope climb skill progression, uh, you know, on a Friday and then the next Friday there's a rope climb workout and, and, uh, and everybody's all dialed in before the workout even starts. So having skill progression without, without the physiological negative effects of doing it back to back. Right. So that's, that's why it's important. Like it's, you know, it's great to warm up with Roma with rope climbs before the Metcon, but it's better to have practiced ahead of time. Right. Like, yeah. And there's also that, all that research around learning in, in space, spaced learning. Um, so, you know, they, they talk about when you, when you're, when you're learning a, a, a new language or you're learning anything um, mentally, but also physically, the, the spacing of it's important because you can't cram and do a whole bunch and expect to retain as much information as if you said spent the same amount of time but spread out over an interval. Um, that is a great podcast topic for us to discuss. Yeah, yeah, and so so um, and and this will tie into our 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 uh, um, you know constantly varied random thing that we're going to go over in a second. But uh, but yeah, those are the five things that I like to see in uh, in programs. You know, the first one being that there is a plan. The second one being that there is there is progressions and, and um, consistency around either gymnastic skills or strength or both. Um, the third thing was um, now I already forgot what the third thing was. The third thing was was context. So that was four. That was four. We might have skipped three. What? We might have skipped three. <laughs> four. Four was uh, context, and then five was uh, was the skill yeah. skill work. Um, Repeatability. Was that three? Yeah, yeah, that's what it was. Yeah, yeah. There you go. 
that's where we're going with. Um, <laughs> Someone should have written this down, man. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's all in my head. And it was really hard for me to even contain down to those five because there's like 47 <laughs> other ones I could probably spot out right off the top of my head. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so, so going on to the, to the next part of the podcast, we're going to talk about this, this sort of um, constantly varied um, perception that, that that's the best end all be all to getting people fit. And, you know, because CrossFit's the best way to get people fit. And the reality is, is that, is that good programmers, it's not totally random and it's not constantly varied. There are plans for the week and the week to week. And we're, we're looking at, um, you know, not just the movements being varied so that people aren't doing the same movements over and over again on the same days. Uh, but, but we're also varying the length of the workouts and the style of the workout and all the, the stimulus the workout's providing. And that's really important, um, um, you know, for entertainment purposes, you know, so it's not boring or monotonous, um, which, is, which, which is what can happen when you're doing, you know, like one of my favorite strength programs is the starting strength program from Rip a Toe. You know, so boring, the most boring. <laughs> and, and to be honest, guys, that's the difference between competitors and regular people is competitors do all the boring stuff. You know, like <laughs> there's, they're just living in their worst weaknesses and doing it over and over and over again. And, and that's what makes you so good. The sport of before you move on, can you explain like, what is the, the theory behind the benefits of constantly buried? So, so the people that will say that constantly buried is the best. Why, why do they say that? What is, what is the, why what's backing that up? Um, well, I mean, it, really, really it was, it was just that, that um, when you took people and you did this, where you changed the workouts up frequently, then, th and then you measured them in the beginning and you measured them at the end against somebody, some people who did the same routine, you know, the same three workouts every week, then the people who did the constantly vary got better, you know? So, so that right there, like, what else do we need to know, you know, but, but physiologically what's going on is when the, the body is, is a dynamic system that is always adapting. And if you're, if you're focusing on a, a specific set of movements or, or workout domains, your body will adapt to those, but then not adapt to the other things. And it, or even, or even again, backslide because of the dynamic system part versus if we're, if we're constantly varying, the body has to adapt to everything, right? So if, if we're working on running and we're working on lifting and we're working on body weight stuff and we're, then the body starts to adapt everywhere. And there, there is this benefit of, um, you know, working on your lifting can make you better at running, right? And having a better cardiovascular system makes you better at lifting. And there's this effect that we see when everything's working together. Um, and that's the human animal wasn't designed to do repetitive tasks day in and day out. It was, it was you know, it, it was it evolved doing a, a large variety of tasks, and that's what made it makes it healthy. Right. And so that's and why the, the whole idea is that that tends to domains of fitness, right? So if you're constantly varied you're always like you said there's always a new physiological stimulus which challenges you in all different ways instead of consistently challenging you in the same way and then it goes in to talk about the 10 domains of fitness right so you want to be able to challenge yourself on i don't even know if i can recite them now any but it's like what cardio um cardiovascular health and then balance i don't know what are they <laughs> agility accuracy there's, power there's speed. it's uh it's strength speed power yeah uh, balance accuracy um coordination cardiorespiratory endurance and stamina that's only eight. Oh yeah that's only eight <laughs> flexibility right yeah flexibility and then um 
uh, what's yeah. the other? Agility. Agility. Yeah, yeah. I think so. Yeah, and then so you can... I just want like when we're starting to like deconstruct this myth a little bit, right? So so also that like there's this great you know great studies and and people that are more organized with data collection than me. I, I'm not going to say you because you're more organized than anyone I know with data collections. Like you should see the spreadsheets, ridiculous. But they. <laughs> So you've got these 10 domains and the whole idea is if you vary your workouts, then you're always able to hit these 10 domains. You're always varying the stimulus. And like I said earlier, right? Like if you're not constantly challenging the stimulus, you won't always improve. But the reality is, is that the way that you build success in each one of those 10 domains of fitness is different, right? So if you're, if you're trying to build strength, the best way to build strength is to do a strength cycle. <laughs> like you said, it's like starting strength, which is one of the most boring things. Okay. So first we're going to say that that's the best way to build strength. Okay. So now we've got one of those 10 domains ticked off, right? Then the best way to build cardio is not by running long distances. It's by running like, you know, interval training and that kind of stuff. Okay. So now we're going to layer that on, right? What's the best way to, to build power and speed layer those on. Now, all of a sudden you've got this program where you are able to excel in all 10 domains of fitness using what has been demonstrated time and time again as the best way to program. But you can't do all that because that's 40 hours of training every week, <laughs> which is unreasonable. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I mean, even, but even like eight hours of training a week, you know, it starts to, starts to really um, cut into, you know, your recovery ability. Right. So, so that's, I mean, that's the thing is if you, so starting strengths for you guys who don't know, it's basically, you know, you do a, you do a squat, you do the same, uh, you rotate between two workouts and you do four different movements. Um, the basic program is you do a, a squat, a, uh, I believe it's squat, strict press, deadlift, pull up. And then the next one is squat, power clean, bench press, uh, pull up. And so you always start with the squat and you always end with a, a pull up and you just rotate every other day, right? So it's like Monday you're doing version A, Tuesday you're doing B. And then you just, you do some warm up reps and then you hit a specific weight for three sets of five, basically that changes depending on the lift. But, but, uh, and then you just, it's just a linear progression. You just add weight every workout and until you can't, and then you back off and then you do it again. And it's, and it's great if, if you don't have access to a better program or if again, strength is your main goal. And, and, uh, and so your body can devote all of its resources to that, to that strength stuff. But again, if, you're, if your plan is to become as fit as possible, as you're doing that, your other domains of fitness will decrease. They'll, they'll start sliding backward, right? Your, your flexibility will go down. Your, your uh, cardiorespiratory endurance will go down. Even your stamina will go down. Stamina is how many reps in a row can you do, you know? And, and, uh, and so if you're willing to make that sacrifice, you know, that's one program you can do to, to do it. And you have the discipline to do the boring program <laughs> all the time. Um, it's, it's a great program. I, it, it, I can't say anything bad about it other than what I just said. Um, but like I said, for most people in their lives, that's not the main goal. And they want their, their, their workouts to be a little bit more entertaining, right? While they get more generally fit. And, and that's where the, the con I mean, I, I really think that the, that the most powerful part of the constantly varied isn't as much about the, uh, um, the program. I mean, you, let's say you had 12 workouts, 12 different Metcons and lifting sessions or whatever spread out. And you just rotate it through those 12. If they were well designed, you would get results just as fast as somebody who's doing a more constantly varied program. 
but you would get bored eventually. And I think the biggest part of, of what made CrossFit, you know, so successful was that because it was constantly changing, it just was just fun because you were doing something different every day and you weren't repeating the same stuff. And, and I think a lot of gyms get kind of caught up in that sort of piece of it because they want their workouts to be fun. So people keep coming back, but without a little bit of routine, a little bit more planning, you know, we, we can get the benefit, some of the benefits of doing a more structured, you know, routine, routine and the constantly varied at the same time. So we, so we, we have all of their strengths and none of their weaknesses, <laughs> like the Daywalker blade. Um, so. <laughs> as, as a mother of two ginger children, Daywalker is a, a word that gets thrown around my kids a lot. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think that that, that is great, right? So it's the, the first way that we can bust the myth of constantly varied is that you just will not be in the best shape of your life, period, because you need routine and you cannot build strength and you can't build power. And there's a lot of those 10 domains of fitness that just don't, they get neglected if you don't have a routine. And that's been proven time and time again. And then the second thing that I want to say that is a, a way to kind of deconstruct the benefits of constantly varied is that you really ignore, negate the fact of the body only moves in so many different ways. And Sean Manso, a really smart guy who did by the numbers, he was really good at kind of, he calls them rhyming movements, right? Or it's like, yeah. Mm -hmm. and, and the whole concept is that a hinge is a hinge is a hinge. And, a, and an upper body push is an upper body push is an upper body push. And when you're doing constantly varied all the time, what you're, what you're kind of ignoring is that, great, you did, you know, we, and we talked about this in the last podcast, you did deadlifts day one, you did kettlebell swings day two, you did like, I don't know, what's another very similar movement, like whatever Same else, day three, yeah. but they're all the same movement. So you, you might be constantly varied on the surface, but as far as what's going on inside your body, it's not that different. <laughs> and again, without a plan and without something to say, no, this is the same physiological response on day one as it is on day two, as it is on day three. Um, it's all the same thing. And you end up actually varying it significantly less than you would if you had a structured plan to keep you on track and to keep things in check and everything like that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and it's funny because like you mentioned, you know, like say you, do a hint, you did a hinge on Monday and then you used like a primarily squat movement on Tuesday. So then on Wednesday, you might hinge again. But what happens to the person who didn't come, you know, who can, only comes Monday and Wednesday, now they're hinging on both their workouts and they didn't get a squat, you know, so right. it's better if you do like less reps of hinging and, and maybe a little bit of squatting and then you kind of rotate through. And then on Wednesday you do more of a running or row, you know, like, so like that, that's, and that's the art of programming, right. Is looking at it. And sometimes, you know, I'll help you hear people ask me like, Oh, we did, we did, um, uh, American kettlebell swings on Thursday and Russian swings on Friday. We did back to back kettlebell swings. And I have to stop and say, well, hold on a minute. Like the, First of all, we did a, to a total of 50 reps of each, you know, like spread out with other movements. Like people, there, there is a program called the thousand kettlebell squat program where you do a thousand kettlebell squats every single day. <laughs> like it's, it, and it's not bad for you. Actually, when you build up to it, you know, it's, it's actually fine. And 
So it's okay to do the same movement pattern on back-to-back -back days when programmed correctly. Now, if somebody did 150 kettlebell swings and then you did 150 kettlebell swings the next day, then I'd question what was really going on. Again, depending on the, the program. The other thing is, is that a kettlebell American swing is very different than, uh, than a Russian swing, right? Russian swings are heavier. We're keeping, um, we're doing a, a much more true hinge or an American swing tends to be more like a snatch, which is actually more of what I consider an upper body pull. So they're actually different movements and they're, they're lighter loads, more grip intensive, um, slower cycle time. You know, there's all these differences. In fact, I'm gonna make a video about the differences um, so that people don't panic when we do kettlebell swings twice in one week. So, usually they're not back-to-back -back days. It ha it's happened maybe once or twice, but, <laughs> but uh, um, even just in the same week, people say like, oh, we, all we do is kettlebell swings. And it's like, you know, like, hold on a second. You know, and, and I think people kind of get caught up in, well, it's got to be constantly varied. And it's like, well, if you, if you distill down the movements into the primary movement domains, how constantly varied can it be? Are you squatting? Are you hinging? Are you doing, you know, are you pull, upper body pulling? Are you horizontal pushing? Are you running? You know, it's like, okay, these are the, these are the ingredients that we're working with. And there's going to be repetition of those things. And that's not, quote, constantly varied where, you know, Constantly varied, for example, is a 5K run. Um, I program a 5K run usually on a holiday, right? When the gym's gonna be closed. Because people can do a 5K run on their own. They don't need to come to your gym and do a 5K run. That is, that is, um, that is not a good way to get people to come to the gym. And, and I've always subscribed to, um, I try to make the workouts look fun and enticing and easy. Um, I'm kind of known for that. I'm kind of known for the workout people going, oh, oh. That looks way easier on paper. Like, yeah. <laughs> That's the point. Because when it looks easy, people aren't as scared and they're not, they're not afraid to come in. And, and ultimately, the more frequently we get people to come in, the better, right? Uh, and, you, you know, a 5K run is an is a important, I think, test of fitness and kind of where you're at with your running ability. Uh, um, and everyone who has been doing sort of this style of training and programming should attempt a 5K every once in a while just to see where they're at. Um, but I'm not going to program it into a, a, a gym class day because there's just so much better things we could be doing with our time. You know, if someone wants to test their 5K, they can do it on their own or when the gym is closed. I might also say that, like, if you're if you're paying a coach to coach you, I would not feel like I got my value if I went in and then went to run 5K. Like, I, I wouldn't feel like I really got that out of my membership. Well, okay, <laughs> okay so so... On that, on that thought, um, how does that work on a 40 minute Metcon? Right? Well, exactly. Right. You know, like if, if you're coming in and you're doing a 40 minute Metcon and there's, you know, 15 people in the class and it's just basic movements that you don't need a lot of coaching on. Um, and you're, you know, you, you're, you're advanced enough to where you know when to slow down and when to, you know, when to pace yourself or, you know, not hurt yourself. Like, are you getting coached? Like there, you know, like I said, the benefit past that 20 minute mark, What's the real benefit there? Like, again, it, it's not twice as good as a, as a, a 20 minute Metcon or even a 30 minute Metcon. So I'm just going just... to take this like lid, this hyperverb proverbial lid right here. And I'm just going to put that right back on the can of worms that you just opened. And then we can talk about that next week. And we can talk about what is the role of a coach in a class? What should you be expecting? Because that is, that is a lot. That, that's a mouthful you just said there, my friend. Let's leave that one be. Right All right. Yeah. So, so think about that between now and the next podcast. And, and, uh, um, and, and again, from a, from a constantly varied standpoint, you know, there, there is a, a certain amount of variance that's going to keep it entertaining and drive some adaptation. But 
that's not the most important thing of the programming, right? That it is constantly varied. And, and it's not gonna, and it isn't the best way to get people fit in the long term. Um, if you're truly constantly varied. So seemingly random and constantly varying the movements is an important part. It's one ingredient, but it's not the only ingredient or the most important ingredient. All right, I think we're done here. That's it for today, guys. Um, if you, if you uh, are looking for a good program, think about those, those four and a half, five things that we went over, <laughs> went over when you're looking at programs. I'm gonna list them one more time, see if I can get it right. So <laughs> the first one is they have a plan. The second one is, is that they actually are doing progressions over time. Um, the third thing was, was again, I forgot this thing again. Repeatability. Repeatability, yeah, the repeating workouts, there you go, which goes back to the planning and everything else. Um, they're actually repeating workouts so that you can record them. The fourth thing was they actually have a practice context or at least talk about the approach of the workout that day, whether it's a competition or, or, or uh, you know, practice context. And then the fifth thing was that they do dedicated skill work that is actually going to help with the programming, not just randomly. Again, randomly throwing in skill work every once in a while isn't ideal either. And then, of course, the, the, the tip of the, uh, or the, the myth that we busted is that constantly varied is the most important ingredient in, in programming. Well, All right, guys, thanks again. If you guys are tracking this on YouTube, make sure you hit like and subscribe. If you're listening to the podcast, you know, share it, please. Get other people to listen to this stuff. Um, if you're a gym owner or a coach and you want a client to hear this stuff, send it to them, share it in your private groups. I really appreciate it, and uh, we'll see you guys in the next podcast.